0: Chapter Fourth Part Three of Elsie Dinsmore. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Elsie Dinsmore by Martha Finley. Chapter Fourth Part Three. While the little girls were enjoying their talk in the garden, a servant with a small bundle in her hand came out on the veranda, where Mr. Horace Dinsmore was sitting, smoking a cigar, and casting an inquiring glance around asked if he knew where Miss Elsie was. What do you want with her, he asked, only to give her dis bundle, Massa, De Pomp just bought from de city. Give it to me, he said, extending his hand to receive it. A few moments afterward, Elsie and her friend returned to the house, and meeting Pomp, she asked him if he had bought her the candy. He replied that he had got some that was very nice indeed, and he thought that Fanny had carried it to her, and seeing Fanny near, he called to her to know what she had done with it why pump massa horace he told me to give it to him said the girl elsie turned away with a very disappointed look you'll go and ask him for it won't you asked lucy who was anxious to enjoy a share of the candy as well as to see elsie gratified no said elsie sighing i had rather do without it lucy coaxed for a while but finding it impossible to persuade elsie to approach her father on the subject finally volunteered to do the errand herself Elsie readily consented, and Lucy, trembling a bit in spite of her boast that she was not afraid of him, walked out on to the veranda, where Mr. Dinsmore was still sitting, and putting on an air of great confidence, said, "'Mr. Dinsmore, will you please give me Elsie's candy? She wants it.' "'Did Elsie send you?' he asked in a grave tone. "'Yes, sir,' replied Lucy, somewhat frightened. "'Then if you please, Miss Lucy, you may tell Elsie to come directly to me.' Lucy ran back to her friend, and Elsie received the message in some trepidation, but as no choice was now left to her, she went immediately to her father. "'Did you want me, Papa?' she asked timidly. "'Yes, Elsie. I wish to know why you send another person for me for what you want instead of coming to me yourself. It displeases me very much, and you may rest assured that you will never get anything that way if you ask for it.' Elsie hung her head in silence. "'Are you going to answer me?' he asked in a severe tone. "'Why did you send Lucy instead of coming yourself?' "'I was afraid, Papa,' she whispered, almost under her breath. "'Afraid? Afraid of what?' he asked, with an increasing displeasure. "'Of you, Papa,' she replied in a tone so low that he could scarcely catch the words, although he bent down his ear to receive her reply. "'If I were drunk and brute, in the habit of knocking you about and beating you and abusing you, there might be some reason for your fear.' Elsie, he said coloring with anger, but as it is, I see no excuse for it at all, and I am both hurt and displeased by it. I am very sorry, papa, I won't do it again, she said tremblingly. There was a moment's pause, and then she asked in a timid, hesitating way, Papa, may I have my candy, if you please? No, you may not, he said decidedly, and understand and remember that I positively forbid you either to buy or eat anything of the kind again without my express permission. Elsie's eyes filled, and she had a hard struggle to keep down a rising sob as she turned away and went slowly back to the place where she'd left her friend. "'Have you got it?' asked Lucy eagerly. Elsie shook her head. "'What a shame!' exclaimed Lucy indignantly. "'He's just as cross as he can be. He's a tyrant, so he is, just a hateful old tyrant, and I wouldn't care a cent for him if I were you, Elsie. "'I'm glad he's not my father, so I am.' "'I'm afraid he doesn't love me very much,' sighed Elsie, in low, tearful tones, "'before he hardly ever lets me have anything or go anywhere that I want to. "'Well, never mind. I'll send and buy a good lot tomorrow, and we'll have a regular feast,' said Lucy soothingly, "'as she passed her arm round her friend's waist and drew her down to a seat on the portico step. "'Thank you, Lucy. You can buy it for yourself if you like, but not for me, "'for Papa has forbidden me to eat anything of the sort.' "'Oh, of course we'll not let him know anything about it,' said Lucy. But Elsie shook her head sadly, saying with a little sigh, "'No, Lucy, you are very kind, but I cannot disobey Papa, even if he should never know it, because I would be disobeying God, and he would know it.' "'Dear me, how particular you are!' exclaimed Lucy a little pettishly. "'Elsie,' said Mr. Dinsmore, speaking from the door, "'what are you doing there? Did I not forbid you to be out in the evening air?' I did not know you meant the doorstep papa i thought i was only not allowed to go in the garden replied the girl rising to go in i see you intend to make as near an approach to disobedience as you dare said her father go immediately to your room and tell mammy to put you to bed elsie silently obeyed and lucy casting an indignant glance at mr dinsmore was about to follow her when he said i wish her to go alone if you please miss lucy and with a frown and a pout the little girl walked into the drawing-room and seated herself on the sofa behind her mamma Mr. Dinsmore walked out on the portico and stood there watching the moon which was just rising over the treetops. Horace, said Arthur, emerging from the shadow of a tree nearby and approaching his brother. Elsie thinks you're a tyrant. She says you never let her have anything or go anywhere and you're always punishing her. She and Lucy have had a fine time out here talking over your bad treatment of her and planning to have some candy in spite of you. "'Arthur, I do not believe that Elsie would deliberately plan to disobey me, and whatever fault she may have, I am very sure she is above the meanness of telling tales,' replied Mr. Dinsmore in a tone of severity, as he turned and went into the house, while Arthur, looking sadly crestfallen, crept away out of sight. When Elsie reached her room, she found that Chloe was not there, for, not expecting that her services would be required at so early an hour, she had gone down to the kitchen to have a little chat with her fellow-servants elsie rang for her and then walking to the window stood looking down into the garden in an attitude of thoughtfulness and dejection she was mentally taking a review of the manner in which she had spent the day as was her custom before retiring the retrospect had seldom been so painful to the little girl she had a very tender conscience, and it told her now that she had more than once a day indulged in wrong feelings toward her father, that she was also allowed another to speak disrespectfully of him, giving by her silence a tactic approval of the sentiments uttered, and, more than that, had spoken complainingly of him herself. "'Oh!' she murmured half aloud, as she covered her face with her hands, and the tears trickled through her fingers— how soon I've forgotten the lesson papa taught me this morning, and my promise to trust him without knowing his reasons. I don't deserve that he should love me or be kind and indulgent when I'm so rebellious. What's the matter, darling? asked Chloe's voice in pitiful tones, as she took her nursling in her arms and laid her little head against her bosom, passing her hand carelessly over the soft bright curls. Your old mammy can't bear to see her pet crying like that. Oh mammy, mammy, I've just been such a wicked girl to day Oh, and I'm afraid I shall never be good like Jesus. I'm afraid He is angry with me for I've disobeyed Him today. Sobbed the child. "Darlin'," said Chloe earnestly, "didn't you read to your old mammy this very morning the breasted words? If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And the other, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Go to the dear breasted Lord Jesus, darlin', and ask Him to forgive you, and I knows He will." yes he will replied the little girl raising her head and dashing away her tears he will forgive my sins and take away my wicked heart and give me right thoughts and feelings how glad i am you remembered those sweet texts you dear old mammy she added twining her arms lovingly around her nurse's neck and then she delivered her papa's message and clo began at once to prepare her for bed Elsie's tears had ceased to flow, but they were still trembling in her eyes, and the little face wore a very sad and troubled expression, as she stood patiently passive in her nurse's hands. Chloe had soon finished her labors, and then the little girl opened her Bible, and, as usual, read a few verses aloud, though her voice trembled, and once or twice a tear fell on the page. Then, closing the book, she stole away to the side of the bed and knelt down. She was a good while on her knees, and several times, as the sound of a low sob fell upon closed ears, she sighed and murmured to herself, "'Poor darling, dear breasted lamb, your old mammy don't like to hear that.' Then, as the child rose from her kneeling posture, she went to her, and, taking her in her arms, folded her in a fond embrace, calling her by the most tender and endearing epithets, and telling her that her old mammy loved her better than life, better than anything in the wide world.' Elsie flung her arms around her nurse's neck and laid her head upon her bosom saying yes my dear old mammy i know you love me and i love you too but put me in bed now or papa will be displeased what makes you so unrestless darling?" asked Chloe, half an hour afterward can't you go to sleep nohow oh mammy if i could only see papa just one more moment to tell him something do you think he would come to me sighed the little girl please mammy do go down and see if he's busy don't say a word if he is but if not ask him to come for me just for one minute clo left the room immediately but returned the next moment saying i just looked into de parlor darlin and massa horace he mighty busy playin' chess with miss lucy's mamma and i didn't say nothin to him Just you go to sleep my pet and tell massa horace all about it in de mornin elsie sighed deeply and turning over on her pillow cried herself to sleep clothes just putting the finishing touches to the little girl's dress the next morning, when Lucy Carrington rapped at the door. "'Good morning, Elsie,' she said. "'I was in a hurry to come to you because it's my last day, you know. Wasn't it too bad of your father to send you off to bed so early last night?' "'No, Lucy. Papa has a right to send me to bed whenever he pleases, and besides, I was naughty and deserved to be punished, and it was not much more than half an hour earlier than my usual bedtime.' "'You, naughty!' exclaimed Lucy, opening her eyes very wide. "Mamma often says she wishes I was half as good.' Elsie sighed but made no answer. Her thoughts seemed far away. She was thinking of what she had been so anxious the night before to tell her to her father, and trying again to gain courage to do it this morning. "'If I could only get close to him when nobody was by, and he would look and speak kindly to me, I could do it then,' she murmured to herself." come in clo aren't you done i want to have and run in the garden before breakfast said lucy somewhat impatiently as clo tied and untied elsie's sash several times well miss lucy i is done now she answered passing her hand once more over the nursling's curls but master horace he mighty particular about miss elsie yes said elsie papa wants me always to look very nice and neat when i go down in the morning he just gives me one glance from head to foot and if anything is wrong he is sure to see it and send me back immediately and have it made right "'Now, Mammy, please give me my hat and let us go.' "'You's got plenty of time, challenge. bell won't ring for another dis hour,' remarked the old nurse, tying on Elsie's hat. "'My child looks sweet and fresh as moss rosebud this morning,' she added, "'talking to herself as she watched the two little girls tripping down the stairs hand in hand. "'They skipped up and down the avenue several times and ran all around the garden before it was time to go in. "'Then Elsie went up to Chloe to have her hair made smooth again.' She was just descending for the second time to the hall, when she left Lucy, when she saw a carriage drive up to the front door. "'There's Papa!' cried Lucy joyfully, as it stopped and a gentleman sprang out and came up the steps into the portico, and in an instant she was in his arms, receiving such kisses and caresses as Elsie had vainly longed for all her life. Lucy had several brothers, but was an only daughter, and a very great pet, especially with her father. Elsie watched them with a wistful look and a strange aching in her heart. But presently Mr. Carrington set Lucy down, and turning to her, gave her a shake of the hand, and then a kiss, saying, How do you do this morning, my dear? I'm afraid you are hardly glad to see me as I come to take Lucy away, for suppose you have been having a fine time together. Yes, sir, indeed we have, and I hope you'll let her come again. Oh, yes, certainly, but the visits must not all be on one side. I shall talk to your papa about it, and perhaps persuade him to let us take you along this afternoon to spend a week at Ashland's oh how delightful cried lucy clapping her hands elsie do you think he'll let you go i don't know i'm afraid not replied the little girl doubtfully oh you must coax him as i do my papa said lucy but at this elsie only shook her head and then just then the breakfast bell rang mr dinsmore was already in the breakfast room and elsie going up to him said good morning papa good morning elsie he replied but his tone was so cold that even if no one else had been by she could not have said another word He had not intended to be influenced by the information Arthur had so maliciously given him the night before, yet unconsciously he was, and his manner to his little daughter was many degrees colder than it had been for some time. After breakfast, Lucy reminded Elsie of a promise she had made to show her some beautiful shells which her father had collected in his travels, and Elsie led the way to the cabinet, a small room opening in the library, and filled with curiosities. They had gone in alone, but were soon followed by Arthur, Walter, and Enna. Almost everything in the room belonged to Mr. Horst Dinsmore, and Elsie, knowing that many of the articles were rare and costly, and that he was very careful of them, begged Anna and the boys to go out, lest they should accidentally do some mischief. "'I won't,' replied Arthur. "'I've just as good a right to be here as you.' As he spoke he gave her a push, which almost knocked her over, and in catching at a table to save herself from falling, she threw down a beautiful vase of old rare china which Mr. Dinsmore prized very highly. It fell with a loud crash, and lay scattered in fragments at their feet. "'There, see what you've done!' exclaimed Arthur, as the little group stood aghast at the mischief. "'It happened that Mr. Dinsmore was just then in the library, and the noise soon brought him upon the scene of action. "'Who did this?' he asked in a wrathful tone, looking from one to the other. "Elsie," said Arthur. "'She threw it down and broke it. "'Troublesome, careless child! "'I would not have taken a hundred dollars for that vase!' he exclaimed. "'Go to your room. Go this instant, and stay there until I send for you. "'And remember, if you ever come in here again without permission, I shall punish you.' "'He opened the door as he spoke, and Elsie flew across the hall, up the stairs, and into her own room, "'without once pausing or looking back. "'Now go out, every one of you, and don't come in here again. "'This is no place for children,' said Mr. Dinsmore, turning the others into the hall, "'and shutting and locking the door upon them. "'You ought to be ashamed of yourself, Arthur Dinsmore,' exclaimed Lucy, indignantly.' "'It was all your own fault, and Elsie was not to blame at all, and you know it.' "'I didn't touch the old vase, and I'm not going to take the blame of it either, I can tell you, miss,' replied Arthur, moving off, followed by Walter and Enna, while Lucy walked to the other end of the hall and stood looking out the window, debating on her own mind whether she had sufficient courage to face Mr. Dinsmore and to make him understand where the blame of the accident ought to lie.' At length she seemed to have solved the question, for turning about and moving noiselessly down the passage to the library door, she gave a timid rap which was immediately answered by a mr Dinsmore's voice saying, Come in. Lucy opened the door and walked in, closing it after her. mr Dinsmore sat at a table writing, and he looked up with an expression of mingled surprise and impatience. What do you want, Miss Lucy? he said. Speak quickly, for I am very busy. I just wanted to tell you, sir, replied Lucy, speaking up quite boldly that elsie was not at all to blame about the vase for it was arthur who pushed her and made her fall against the table and that was the way the vase came to fall and break what made him push her he asked just because elsie asked him and walter and anna to go out for she feared they might do some mischief mr dismore's pen was suspended over the paper for a moment while he sat thinking with a somewhat clouded brow but presently turned to the little girl and said quite pleasantly very well miss lucy i am much obliged to you for your information for i should be very sorry to punish elsie unjustly and now will you do me the favour of go to her and tell her that her papa said she need not stay in her room any longer yes sir i will replied lucy her face sparkling with delight as she hurried off with her great alacrity to do his bidding she found elsie in her room crying violently and throwing her arms round her neck she delivered mr dinsmore's message concluding with so now elsie you needn't cry nor feel sorry any more but just dry your eyes and let us go down into the garden and have a good time elsie was very thankful to lucy and very glad that her papa now knew that she was not to blame but she was still sorry for his loss and his words had wounded her so deeply to be immediately forgotten indeed that it was some time before the sore spot they had made in her heart was entirely healed but she tried to forget it all and enter heartily into the sports proposed by lucy the carringtons were not to leave until the afternoon and the little girl spent nearly the whole morning in their garden coming into the drawing-room a few moments before the dinner bell rang mrs carrington sat on a sofa engaged with some fancy work while herbert who had not felt well enough to join the other children had stretched himself out beside her putting his head in her lap mr carrington and mr horace dinsmore were conversing near by Lucy ran up to her papa and seated herself upon his knee, with her arm around his neck, while Elsie stopped a moment to speak to Herbert, and then timidly approaching her father, with her eyes upon the floor, she said in a low, half-frightened tone that reached no ear but his, "'I'm very sorry about the vase, papa.' He took her hand, and, drawing her close to him, pushed back the hair from her forehead with his other hand, and, bending down to her, said almost in a whisper, never mind, daughter, we will forget all about it. I am sorry I spoke so harshly to you, since Lucy tells me you are not so much to blame. Elsie's face flushed with pleasure as she looked up gratefully, but before she had time to reply, mrs Carrington said, Elsie, we want to take you home with us to spend a week. Will you go? I should like to, very much indeed, ma'am, if papa will let me, replied the little girl, looking wistfully up into his face. "'Well, Mr. Dinsmore, what do you say? I hope you can have no objection,' said Mrs. Carrington, looking inquiringly at him, while her husband added, "'Oh, yes, Dinsmore, you must let her go, by all means. You can certainly spare her for a week, and, indeed, it will be no interruption to her lessons, as she can share with Lucy in the instruction of our governess, who is really superior teacher.' Mr. Dinsmore was looking very grave, and Elsie knew from the expression of his countenance what his answer would be before he spoke." He had noticed the indignant glance Lucy had once or twice bestowed upon him, and remembering Arthur's report of the conversation between the two little girls the night before, had decided in his own mind that the less Elsie saw of Lucy, the better. "'I thank you both of your kindness to my little girl,' he replied courteously. "'But while fully really appreciating your kindness and extending the invitation, I must beg leave to decline it, as I am not satisfied that home is the best place for her at present.' "'Ah, oh, no! I suppose we ought hardly to have expected you to share her so soon after your return,' said Mrs. Carrington. "'But really I am very sorry to be refused, for Elsie's such a good child that I am always delighted to have Lucy and Herbert with her.' "'Perhaps you think better of her than she deserves, Mrs. Carrington. "'I find that Elsie is sometimes naughty and in need of correction, as well as other children, "'and therefore I think it best to keep her as much as possible under my own eye,' replied Mr. Dinsmore, "'looking very gravely at his little daughter as he spoke.' Elsie's face flushed painfully, and she had hard work to keep from bursting into tears. It was a great relief to her that just at that moment the dinner bell rang, and there was a general movement in the direction of the dining-room. Her look was touchingly humble as her father led her in and seated her at the table. She was thinking, Papa says I am naughty sometimes, but oh, how very naughty he would think of me if he knew all the wicked things I had thought yesterday. As soon as they had risen from the table, Mrs. Carrington bade Lucy to go to her maid and have her bonnet put on, as the carriage was already at the door. Elsie would have gone with her, but her father had taken her hand again, and he held it fast. She looked up inquiringly into his face. Stay here, he said. Lucy will be back down again in a moment. And Elsie stood quietly at his side until Lucy returned. But even then her father did not relinquish his hold on her hand, and all the talking the little girls could do must be done close at his side. Yet, as he was engaged in earnest conversation with Mr. Carrington and did not seem to be listening, Lucy ventured to whisper to Elsie. I think it's real mean of him, he might let you go. No, replied Elsie in the same low tone, I'm sure Papa knows best. Besides, I have been naughty and don't deserve to go, though I should like to dearly. Well, good-bye, said Lucy, giving her a kiss. "'It was not until Mr. Carrington's carriage was fairly on its way down the avenue "'that Mr. Dinsmore dropped his little girl's hand, and then he said, "'I want you in the library, Elsie. Come to me in half an hour.' "'Yes, Papa, I will,' she replied, looking a little frightened. "'You need not be afraid,' he said in a tone of displeasure. "'I'm not going to hurt you.' "'Elsie blushed and hung her head, but made no reply, and he turned away and left her. "'She could not help wondering what it was he wanted with her, "'and though she tried not to feel afraid, "'it was impossible to keep from trembling a little as she knocked at the library door.' Her father's voice said, "Come in," and entering she found him alone, seated at a table covered with papers and writing materials, while beside the account book in which he was writing lay a pile of money in bank notes and gold and silver. "Here, Elsie," he said, laying down his pen, "I want to give you your month's allowance. Your grandfather has paid it to you heretofore, but of course now I am at home I attend to everything that concerns you. You have been receiving eight dollars, I shall give you ten and as he counted out the money and laid it before her as he spoke, but I shall require a strict account of all you spend. I want you to learn to keep accounts, for if you live, you will some day have a great deal of money to take care of. And here is a bank book that I have prepared so that you can do so very easily. Every time that you lay out or give away money, any money, you must see it down here as soon as you come home be particular about that, lest you should forget something, because you must bring your book to me at the end of every month, and let me see how much you have spent, and what is the balance in hand, and if you are not able to make it come out square, and tell me what you have done with every penny, you will lose either the whole or part of your allowance for the next month, according to extent of your delinquency, do you understand? Yes, sir. Very well, let me see how much you can remember of your last month's expenditures. Take the book and set down everything you can think of elsie had a good memory and was able to remember how she had spent almost every cent during the time specified and she sent down one item after another and then adding up the column without any mistakes that was very well done said her father approvingly and then running over the items half aloud candy half a dollar remember elsie there is to be no more money disposed of in that way not as a matter of economy by any means but because i consider it very injurious "'I am very anxious that you should grow up strong and healthy. "'I would not for anything have you miserable dyspeptic.' "'Then suddenly, closing the book, and handed it to her, he said inquiringly, "'Were you very anxious to go to Ashland's?' "'I would have liked to go, Papa, if you'd been willing,' she replied meekly. "'I'm afraid Lucy's not suitable company for you, Elsie. "'I think she puts bad notions into your head,' he said very gravely. "'Elsie flushed and trembled, and was just opening her lips to make her confession "'when the door opened and her grandfather entered.' She could not speak before him, and so remained silent. "'Does she not sometimes say naughty things to you?' asked her father speaking so low that her grandfather could not have heard. "'Yes, sir,' replied the little girl, almost under her breath. "'I thought so,' said he. "'And therefore, I shall keep you apart as entirely as possible, and I hope there will be no murmuring on your part.' "'No, Papa, you know best,' she answered very humbly. Then, putting the money into her hands, he dismissed her. When she had gone out, he sat for a moment in deep thought. Elsie's list of articles had brought her with last month's allowance consisted most of entirely gifts for others, generally the servants. There were some beads and sewing silk for making a purse and few drawing materials, but with the exception of the candy, she had bought nothing else for herself. This is what her father was thinking of. She is a dear, unselfish, generous little thing, he said to himself. However, I may be mistaken. I must not allow myself to judge from only one month. She seems submissive too he had overheard what passed between her and Lucy at parting. But perhaps that was for effort. She probably suspected I could have heard her, and she thinks me a tyrant and obeys me from fear, not love. This thought drove away all the tender feelings that had been creeping into his heart, and when he next met his little daughter, his manner was as cold and distant as ever, and Elsie found it impossible to approach him with sufficient freedom to tell him what was in her heart. End of chapter 4, part 3